Today on Know the Truth, a message from Philip DeCourcy. William Lyon Phelps, Yale's most inspiring professor, he said, I believe a knowledge of the Bible without a college course is more valuable than a college course without a Bible. That's true. Wisdom is sourced in God. Wisdom is found in the well of divine scripture. Welcome to Know the Truth, I'm Wayne Shepherd. The world portrays wisdom as something that's found through intense study, through practicing solitude, or through simply growing older. But today, Philip DeCourcy teaches that wisdom is a learned skill, and the book of Proverbs provides tried, tested, and true realities that can benefit our own lives today. It's the conclusion of a message titled, You've Got to Get It, from the That Makes Good Sense series. If you missed part one, you can replay it at ktt.org. Now here's Pastor Phil. The Proverbs of Solomon are given to us in order to help us to know wisdom and instruction and understanding. I want to unpack those three words so that you and I might understand what wisdom is. Let's just circle the first word there, wisdom. It's the Hebrew word chokmah. It appears um, some 38 times in the book of Proverbs, and it's found in different places in the Old Testament. And the basic idea behind it is skill, ability to order one's life correctly, to act appropriately. This skill is learned. We are taught it. We are not born with it. We need to place ourselves under the instruction of wisdom. That's the point of verse 2, to know wisdom and instruction and to perceive the words of understanding. Wisdom here is informed by instruction and understanding. These uh, two words deserve special mention because they are repeated throughout the book of Proverbs. The first word, instruction, is uh, mosar in the Hebrew. It appears 30 times in the book of Proverbs. Now, it's actually badly translated here. It would be better translated discipline. Discipline. It's actually used in Proverbs 3, verse 11, of God's chastisement of his people. In Proverbs 3, verse 11, we read, My son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor detest his correction. For whom the Lord loves, he corrects, just as a father the son in whom he delights. The word there, chastening, is our word. It means to be brought under. And if you and I are going to be wise and live skillfully, we need to bring ourselves under, in this case, not the chastisement of God so much in a negative sense as his chastisement, his instruction, his directing of our lives. We need to allow God to correct our waywardness, challenge our folly, and develop our ability to act correctly. And that will produce discernment. That's our second word there, understanding. It appears 14 times in the book of uh, Hebrews, uh, Bina. In the Hebrew, it means to distinguish between things, to compare, to form evaluations. It speaks of training people to discern lessons about life, the good and the bad, the temporary and the eternal, the permanent and the immediate. And all of that is involved in the skill of wisdom. You and I will not be wise automatically. 
We must enroll ourselves in the school of wisdom. We must sit under, under the tutelage of the lady of wisdom. And we must allow ourselves to be disciplined that we might become discerning, that we might act wisely. We need to discipline ourselves. We need to be instructed and informed. And we must be willing to be changed if we're ever to be wise. And you and I will never be wise unless we are willing to submit ourselves to the wise counsel of God's word and be disciplined by it and be brought to see life from God's perspective. But we need it, don't we? We need that skill. I like the story of Charles Steinmetz, who was a, a dwarf and physically very deformed, but what he lacked physically, he made up mentally because he, in, in his day, he was one of the smartest men when it came to electricity, so much so that Henry Ford... Uh, the motor manufacturer hired him to build some vast generators that would run his first plant in Dearborn, Michigan. Put the pieces of the machinery together and, and uh, Ford Motor Company was up and running. Until one day, sometime later, the uh, factory came to a grinding halt. The machines had shut down, the generators had become silent, and the mechanics that Ford had employed tried their best to get things working again, but to no avail. And so Henry Ford called on Charlie Steinmetz, and he came to his friend's rescue. He wasn't there that long. In fact, he fiddled around with some gauges and tried a button here and did a little wiring there. And within a few short hours, everything was fixed and the motors were running again and the factory was working. Within a few days, Steinmetz mailed a, a bill to Henry Ford. It was a bill for $10,000 and it kind of shocked Mr. Ford. He couldn't understand why uh, two or three hours of work would cost such an exorbitant amount of money. And so he actually wrote a letter back to his friend concerning the bill and said, Charlie, it seems awfully steep, this 10000 for a man who for just a little while tinkered around with a few motors. Steinmetz wrote a new bill, sent it back to Henry Ford, and this time he itemized the bill. It read like this, Henry, for tinkering around with motors, $10. For knowing where to tinker, 9990 Huh? Any engineer understands that. And such is the skill of wisdom, biblically speaking. You can't put a price on that, can you? Knowing what to do in a given situation. How to build lasting relationships. How to raise well-rounded children. How to drink from the well of your own wife all of your days. In fact, this nation would save itself billions of dollars if our citizens began to learn the skill of this kind of wisdom. Which brings me finally to look at some of the sources of this wisdom. Let me put you in the direction of three things here as quickly as I can. What are the sources of wisdom? We've been looking at its meaning, but what, what is its means? How do we get wisdom? Well, first of all, it begins with God. It embraces his word and it includes the wise counsel of others. They are three wells that you and I can draw wisdom from and they, they are purposefully put in a descending order of importance. Listen, wisdom begins with fearing God, trembling at his word, and then looking to others who fear God and tremble at his word for counsel. 
Let's begin where I just started. The fear of God. Wisdom begins with God. It's very clear from the book of Proverbs that this is the beginning of wisdom. The fear of God, verse 7 of chapter 1, is the beginning of knowledge. But fools despise wisdom and instruction. Proverbs 9, verse 10. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the holy is understanding. If you want to know yourself, if you want to know what life is about, know God. It all begins with God, and why not? Because everything began with God, right? You see, this is our worldview. We're not a bump on a log. We didn't uh, emerge from some pond slush. In the beginning, God, in his wisdom, out of a context of grace and good for his glory, created the heavens and the earth, and he populated that earth with a man and with a woman. And that's where everything begins. That's, that's the genesis of genius. It all begins with God and fearing him because wisdom originates from him, resides in him, and emanates from him. Look at Proverbs chapter 2 and verse 6. For the Lord gives wisdom, from his mouth comes knowledge and understanding. My friend, if God put this world together, if God knit us in such a wonderful way together in our mother's womb, then God is the, is the secret to understanding how we put life together, is he not? And that's why we've got to fear him. And let me explain what that means. Let me just unpack that phrase as quickly as I can, that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Now, let's just look at that word beginning here in chapter 1, verse 7. I don't want you to think that that means that here's where you begin. You start to fear God, and then you kind of graduate from that, and you leave it behind, and you go on to something else. That's not the meaning of the word beginning here. This is not a, a beginning in the sense of order. This is beginning in the sense of importance. You could read it like this. The fear of the Lord is the most important thing when it comes to knowledge. It's not the first thing. It's just the most important thing. It's always important. You never graduate from this, this idea of fearing God. It is foundational to everything. You never get beyond this reality of needing to fear God. It's the most important thing and the most intelligent thing a man can do with his life. If you haven't already done this, you need to put your faith in God through Jesus Christ. That's where life begins. You need to get connected with God through his son, the one mediator between God and man. Your sin separates you from him. Jesus Christ is God's answer to the sin question. In his death upon the cross, he became a lightning rod for the just wrath of a holy God. And he took that to himself so that if we, as we put our hand in his, he connects us with the Father. And that's where life and knowledge and understanding begins. The fear of God is this idea of being properly related to God and humbly submitted to him. It is a perspective on life that understands that man's chief end is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. It under, understands that God created us and life is to be lived in union with him. When we talk about fearing God here, that's what we're talking about. It's not the fear of a, a boy who's been threatened by the, the local bully. It's the fear of a man who stands in the Oval Office, in conversation with the President of the United States, and such a moment deserves respect and awe. In fact, this idea of relating to someone of, of tremendous authority is, is, 
One of the ways in which the book of Proverbs presents the whole idea of fearing the Lord. Turn to Proverbs 24 and verse 21. My son, fear the Lord and the king. Do not associate with those given to change, for their calamity will rise suddenly, and who knows the ruin those two may can bring. Remember what we said, this book is possibly directed to uh, the young up-and-coming leaders in Israel, and uh, in addressing one of these young men, euphemistically all of those young men, they're told to fear the Lord and the king. Seems to me that there's an analogy being drawn here. You've got to fear God like you would fear the king. The king has authority. He owns the subjects of the kingdom. He's got laws that must be obeyed. If they're obeyed, you'll enjoy living in the king's kingdom if he's a good king. And that's where our analogy holds. But if you disobey those laws, life will not go well. And you need to properly relate to the king and submit to him if you're to enjoy life in his kingdom. And that's exactly what the fear of God is. It's acknowledging that in the beginning, God, that God created us, we are subject to him, that life is to be lived according to his law for his glory, that man is most greatly satisfied when God is most greatly glorified. That's the way God made us. And therefore, the beginning of wisdom The ability to live skillfully and successfully starts there and never leaves there. It's putting God in his proper place. And so wisdom begins with repentance and faith and continues with submission and humility. Brings us to the second thought that you and I, if we're going to be wise and live effectively, make something of our lives that will echo out into eternity, We've got to fear God and we've got to submit ourselves to his word. We've almost got there, right? We understand God is king. He has stipulated his law for his kingdom. And you and I need to live in obedience to that law. That's where liberty and life is found. Psalm 19 and verse 7. Here's what we read concerning God's word. The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandments of the Lord are pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. There is a relationship between fearing God and trembling at his word. If we're going to enjoy the cleansing the facts of the fear of God, we need to submit ourselves to the law of the Lord, which is perfect. It converts our soul. It rejoices our heart and it makes wise the simple. Do you want to be wise? Read God's playbook for life. The Bible itself states that it makes wise the simple. Scripture is the record of God's own witness to himself and what he does and what he will do for those that submit their lives to him. And therefore, you and I need to um, be tutored by the word of God. It will equip us onto every good work. 2 Timothy 3 verse 17. Folks, this is a precious book. God is its author. It is a um, complete and completed reservoir of truth about God and about us. How we relate. What is the purpose of history? How will it end? What lies beyond? What must be done in the in-between? This is God's playbook on life. This is the mind of God put into words. This is what I've called the Christian's Encyclopedia Britannica. I believe that's up to 39 volumes now. 
But God has given us a moral and spiritual encyclopedia. It's got 66 books in it. 39 in the Old Covenant and 29 in the New Covenant. And, and it addresses everything that pertains to life and godliness. Now you say to me, well, you know what? The Bible doesn't answer all questions. That's true. When I talk about the sufficiency of the Bible, I'm not saying that the Bible uh, tells us everything there is to know, but I'll tell you what I'm saying. I'm saying the Bible tells us everything we need to know. If the Bible can't answer it, it's because you're asking the wrong question. And this book has been given to us. It is the king's law. It is the royal law. And as you and I submit to its wisdom, we become wise. William Lyon Phelps, who lived between 1865 and 1943, whose students for years voted him Yale's most inspiring professor. He said this on, on a number of occasions without apology, quote, I believe a knowledge of the Bible without a college course is more valuable than a college course without a Bible. That's true. Because you see, he understands that there's a difference between knowledge and wisdom. Wisdom is sourced in God. Wisdom is found in the well of divine scripture. And you and I need to afresh believe it totally, study it continually, read it obediently, and follow it exclusively. Here's the last thought, and time's gone. Wisdom comes from knowing God, and knowing God involves knowing the Word of God. That's a priority. But beneath that, on a secondary supplementary level, there are those that God puts into our lives who know him and know his word. They are called the wise. In Jeremiah 18, verse 18, there were three types of teachers in the Old Testament that shaped Israel. There was the priest, there was the prophet, and there was the wise man. And these wise men wrote these wise books. These men were made wiser by their experiences and their experiences were shared in forms of proverbs. These wise men didn't receive direct revelation, by the way. They weren't like the prophets where God spoke to the prophets and they spoke for God. These wise men were informed by the law, were informed by the prophets, but they observed life from a biblical point of view, and they looked at how God had put this world together, and they come up with certain maxims and truisms that they had observed to be generally true in life, Solomon wrote, wrote the most of these Proverbs. He is the wisest of the wise men, but there were others and all their writings were collected and God the Holy Spirit through the process of inspiration enfolded them into the canon of scripture. And he wants us to learn from the wisdom of godly men who were governed by God's word and who loved God himself. You and I need those kind of people in our lives. The book of Proverbs encourages us to constantly look for counselors. Proverbs 12 and verse um, 15, we read, The way of the fool is right in his own eyes, but he who heeds counsel is wise. In uh, Proverbs 15 verse 22, we read, Without counsel plans go array, but in the multitude of counselors, they are established. One particular verse of interest is Proverbs 11, verse 14. Where there is no counsel, the people fall, but in the multitude of counselors, there is safety. And the word counselor is an interesting Hebrew word. It means the helmsman. It speaks of ropes that guided ships back in that day. And so here's what the Proverbs is saying. Bring on board your life certain wise men, 
certain wise women who have lived longer, seen more, done more, who have a deep and abiding relationship with God and can offer you wise biblical counsel. And that will help you steer a right course and avoid the rocks of foolish behavior and foolish belief. The Israelite had those kinds of people to go to. And today we have pastors who know the word of God. We have parents who love the Lord Jesus. We have school teachers who are wise. Young couples need to look to older couples. Perhaps it would be a good thing for a young couple to go to a, an older aged class and just sit among the gray hairs and learn. And you and I need to go and harvest their knowledge. Hey, what did you do when your teenager rebelled? How did you make your career choice? How did you stay sexually pure? You've been married for 60 years. You're a testimony to this churchman. I need to learn. How did, how did you navigate the minefield of temptation? Please tell me. And if their wisdom's worth anything, they'll immediately take you to the Word of God and tell you how they applied principles and patterns in the Word of God that helped them navigate life. In a business class at the University of Wisconsin, the students had to interview a number of local people and write a report. One of the students thought the assignment was a waste of time until he spoke with a 78-year-old farmer. He asked the old man, how much education do you have? The farmer answered, six years of schooling, 72 years of learning. You see, that's what wisdom's about. Wisdom is being schooled in the Word of God and learning through observation and experience that the Word of God works that God is faithful and that there is a way that seems right to a man but the end thereof is the way of death when that way is a departure from the paths of righteousness. A stern warning from the book of Proverbs. This is Know the Truth with Philip DeCourcy and the conclusion of a message called You Have Got to Get It from the series titled That Makes Good Sense. If you would like to revisit this message or share it with friends and family, you'll find it online at ktt.org. Well, thank you for being with us today. This daily program is made possible through the support of listeners who share our passion for God's Word. And if you've been encouraged by the teaching today on Know the Truth and want to see it continue on your station, we'd like to hear from you. And your financial partnership, no matter the size of your contribution, is greatly appreciated. Your support of $25, $50, maybe $100 or more will help the gospel reach more listeners so they can grow in the Word of God. Just call 888-644-8811 or give online at ktt.org. And as a thank you for your gift of any amount, we'll send you an empowering book titled God Versus Government, Taking a Biblical Stand When Christ and Compliance Collide. This book follows pastors John MacArthur and James Coates and their courageous decisions to reopen despite orders to remain closed during the 2020 pandemic. The ensuing legal battles raised important questions about religious freedom and, more importantly, illuminated what it looks like to take a stand when Christ and compliance collide. This book provides guidance and wisdom on how to respond when the state encroaches upon the church and looks to the Bible for answers about remaining discerning and faithful to our Heavenly Father, even when society tells us to do otherwise. It's a book you'll want to read for yourself and share with church leadership. Again, call 888-644-8811 or give online at ktt.org. 
And if you're a new listener or have never reached out, sign up for your own free copy of Resting in God's Daily Sufficiency. Learn more at ktt.org. Well, I'm Wayne Shepherd. Join us again tomorrow for a message about the wisdom of God regarding work. That's Friday on Know the Truth. Today's program was produced and sponsored by Know the Truth Incorporated. Jesus said, you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. Yeah.